now. Can you hear me? Okay, good morning everybody. Welcome again to Second City Church. I know you guys have heard it tons of times because God has blessed us with the spirit of and the gift of hospitality. So the greeters, they do a phenomenal job. Let's all give a hand clap to the greeters. Thank you so much guys and the hospitality desk who they serve graciously every week providing food and resources let's thank god for them as well awesome well my name is cole i'm associate pastor here at the church the gentleman who did our transition uh, from the time of musical worship that's pastor Rolland. he is the lead pastor here at the church he usually does the preaching responsibility but i get the opportunity to share with you guys every now and then, and I am super excited on this special day. And hopefully, you know what today is. What is today? Father's Day! That's right! Hopefully you've had an opportunity to talk to your, your father. If you haven't, I dismiss you right now and allow you to walk to the back, make a phone call, shoot a text message, whatever you need to do to honor the, uh, the gift of a father that has been given to you. So guys, today we are starting, well, we're not starting a new series, I apologize. We just finished up a series, um, uh, Chicago Fire, the Spirit-Led Church in the City, and today we're having a standalone message to talk about the most important thing, our good and gracious Father God who has come to earth, as Pastor Ryan said earlier, and perfectly displayed who he is by coming as the man, Jesus Christ, to display who he is. And I love the saying that I heard a pastor say one time. He said that Jesus is perfect theology. If you ever wonder what the Father is like, who do you look to? You look to Jesus. Isn't that good? He wants to be known. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know exactly who he is and what he wants to accomplish. Jesus said that what the Father desires is those who will worship him in spirit and truth. So why would he command something for us to do if he wasn't going to give us the resource to do it, which is the knowledge of him and who he is and what he is like? So today's message is simply titled, A Good and a Gracious Father. And that's what he wants our church to know today. And if you know it, he wants to drill it in. He wants to remind you that he is a good and gracious father. And the subtitle is not only is good and gracious, but he wants you home. He wants you in his house. He wants you in his kingdom. And I'm not just talking about where we're at right now at Lincoln Park High School, but he wants you in his presence. He wants you to be with him for eternity on that day, and he has gone to great lengths to show that. So if we can put the scripture up on the screen, the word that we're going to go to today is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. This is a parable that Jesus told that we are all super familiar with. It is called the prodigal son. But what's interesting is that it's not just about the son. It's titled in different translations of scripture. You know how you have, when you're reading the Bible, you have like the headings over each like section where they try to give you a little uh, overview of what this section is going to be about. It's titled in some translations, The Lost Son. 
Okay? Now, you need to know the context before we even read the scripture of what, who Jesus was talking to and what he is looking to accomplish as we go through it. So the situation here is that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. They were the religious people of the day. They knew all the right things to say. They were the leaders of the day. And he was also talking to the scribes or the lawyers, the ones who knew that they, they had the Bible memorized and they knew everything that it said. Okay, so he's talking to them because the tax collectors and sinners had started to surround him and started to follow him. And the Pharisees and scribes, they were grumbling. They said, who is this who is eating with tax collectors and sinners? And not only that, he welcomes them. Why is he doing this? If he knew who they were, he would not be spending time with them. He would be pushing them away. And so Jesus wanted to address this, and this right here is a starting point of a loving Heavenly Father who's good and gracious. When something is wrong, He addresses it. Are you thankful that there are people in your life, maybe your earthly father, that if something is wrong, He addresses it? That they discipline those they love? I saw one hand go up back there. Do we have any others? (laughs) Okay, the older you get the more thankful you get for the addressing of problems that you have in your life that you weren't just left there to deal with it. So Jesus addresses it, and he tells them three parables back to back in this section of Scripture. There's the lost sheep parable, where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one that was lost. The next parable is the lost coin, where... This person has lost a uh, pretty large amount of money, right? But it was just like one-tenth, I believe. Uh, There were ten coins. So lost it, went after it until they found it. So it was like an incessant search until it was found. And then the third one is the lost son. So we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And if you've read your Bible often, you'll notice whenever God is wanting to impress something that is very important, he'll repeat it, right? So what God wants us to know here is that he cares about lost things. He is not okay with just what has been found when there is something else that is lost. That is our Heavenly Father's heart. He's not okay with us not being with him. He's not okay with us not knowing him. You were made for relationship with your maker. He not only wants to be your maker, he wants to be your father. And he wants you to be his child. So he tells it three, three of those parables. And the third parable was of the father and the two sons. And the, um, uh, the last parable is different because it deals with all of the relational dynamics that come in with being estranged from family which is very important today in our society with um, many of the divorces and fatherlessness or um, just broken families in general. But let's turn to the Word uh, and let's read it. So you can read with me in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. And he said, this is Jesus, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had 
and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I am perishing here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son, son number two, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you. We thank you that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Word of God that you have given to us, the Scriptures, that we may have clarity and certainty about who you are, what your heart is like, what you want to accomplish, and who we are to you and what our state is, for we're helpless And we are blind uh, unless you reveal it to us, Lord. So, Lord, we ask now that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would reveal the spiritual truth of who you are and what you are like more and more to us, God. That we may love you better and receive your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, this is just chopped full of the Father's heart for us. So we do not have nowhere near enough time to cover it all. So we're going to break it down into bullet points. But I would love to talk with anybody afterwards. There's always uh, an open door with myself and Pastor Rollin. 
um, whenever we share anything to go deeper with you. For It can't all be covered in 30 minutes, and even the application can't all take place. This is just the beginning of uh, what the Lord wants to do in us personally, but also as a church. So what we know through this is that our Heavenly Father always has desired restored relationship with sinners since the first sin in the Garden of Eden, where he then also sought and found the lost Adam and Eve. And if you remember, it was them that chose to disobey. It was their choice, just like the prodigal son had decided to leave his father. But who... But the father went searching for Adam and Eve, and he found them, and they were in need. They were naked and ashamed. So once the father finds us and we submit to him, he then clothes us, he feeds us, and he empowers us. He goes to great lengths to restore that relationship, even being misunderstood, as the Pharisees and the scribes were um, not on the same page as Jesus, displaying the father's heart to us, being humiliated hated, despised, and even blasphemed. We can see that even the other son of the father at the end of the parable, he despised his father. He's like, how can you even call this, this, this guy your son? He wouldn't even call him his brother at that point. So there was a strange and broken relationship. And this is what Jesus said would happen when we follow him and we are welcoming those around us to come into the kingdom through repentance and faith that there would be a sort of estrangement because Jesus not only come to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, but on the flip side, he said, uh, I came to, to bring a sword. I came and there will be division. There will be those who choose to be on mission with me and those who don't. And the reason that I share this with you is so that when these things come, because we're trying to follow and love like our Heavenly Father loves, there may be tension in that. You may be loving those who people that say they're following Jesus are like, no, they're, they're too far gone, and it's just not true. So the first point that we can really take for this, though, is there is one Father, there is one home, and one way home as well. There's one Father, and there were two sons, and even though the sons were fighting, he still wanted them both. There is one home. As the son left and he went out into a far country, he thought that that would bring him pleasure, that would bring him peace, he'd be able to finally sow his oats and be fulfilled. But the truth is, it was deceiving. That was not his home. He did not find what he is looking for. And until we come to the one who made us, one father, until we come to the one home, his house, heaven, being with him again. And until we take the path that he has provided, home, which is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, as Pastor Rollins said earlier, we're not going to make it there. It is exclusive, but it's inclusive. He wants all of us, no matter where you're at, whether you consider yourself religious, a good person, he wants you to come home. If you consider yourself totally lost, too far gone, in deep need, total broken relationship, he wants you to come home.
Number two, we are all prodigals. Every one of us in here, every one of everybody listening on the podcast, everybody outside. This is not to point fingers. If we go back and we read through it again, the younger son was the one who was the first to disobey, right? But he came to his senses. He came back, realized that it was better to be in his father's house. But at the end of the parable, the one who was self-righteous, it came out afterwards. He got jealous. He despised his father's kindness, his father's love toward his brother. They came back and then he became the prodigal son, the lost one, the estranged one. If we look back at the end of the parable, and I'll read it real quick. The father goes out to the son who refused to come in because he was angry. And he says to him, Son, you are always with me. All that I have, all that is mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. There is no conclusion right there. We don't know what the self-righteous son did. We don't know if he came back to the party and began to celebrate and partake in the fattened calf. He could have helped eat the fattened calf if he just would have came to the party. Do you see the, uh, like the, the, the idiocy here? Like it, just, it just doesn't make sense. If he just would have came to the party, he could have had the things that he wanted. So we're all prodigals. Some of us realize it now. Some of us realize it later. But we all have the same need. So I love the scripture that says that God hands all people over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Point. God's desire, your heavenly father, is mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. How often? How many times? Every time. Someone just asked for, right? Every time. How many times should we forgive our brother who has sinned against us? Seventy times seven. As many times as it takes. That is the Father's heart. You are not too far gone. You are never too far gone if your heart is beating, if you have air in your lungs. So the question is whether we are aware that we are dead and if we're aware that we are lost. Because the Bible says that we all are. But the question is, are we aware of it? 2 Corinthians 4, 3-6. through 6, We might have it on the screen. This is our spiritual condition. And even if our gospel of Jesus Christ is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So guys, even being aware of being lost or being dead, it's a miracle. It's a gift from our good and gracious Father. If you realize that you're helpless and you're needy and you're naked and you're dealing with shame, it is a blessing. Because you're not perishing. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to who? Those who are perishing. If you're aware of it, that is a wake-up call. Come home! I want you. I desire you. You are not stuck in this place of shame, guilt, rebellion. I want you. Do you want me? I heard somebody say one time, how loud do you have to scream to wake up a dead man? Think about it. Just picture it in your mind. There's a guy, a corpse here, and somebody is just screaming, wake up! How many times and how loud? You can't. Unless there's a God who raises the dead. There is one way back into the Father's house. And it's a miracle. And his name is Jesus. Okay, here we go. Has your current lifestyle become sickening to you yet? Have you come to such a place of need that your eyes have been opened that you need to go back to your Heavenly Father's house? Until you are desperate for your Father. Until you are desperate for restoration. Repentance cannot be yours. You have to come to the end of yourself. Let's think about the son, the younger one. He had his inheritance. It was given to him, which is a whole other story, especially in that culture, of you telling your father to his face, you are dead to me. That's not going to go over well in any culture, in any time, I don't think. And not only that, he sold it, turned it into cash. And then he not only stayed around, he didn't stay around with the family, he left as well. Then it said that after he had spent all, his, all he had, which, were, which is choice, right? He had a choice. Then it says that a famine came on the land. Okay? This is from our good and gracious Heavenly Father. When you feel like <laughs> you're in need, and then the need gets multiplied and pressured by something out of your control that pushes you into a corner, and presses on you like a famine. He couldn't control the famine that was happening. God brought that famine on so that he could come to the end of himself and finally get put in a position that was hurtful enough, painful enough, that made him desire home again. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, I want to make it clear, we'll allow those things to happen so that we can come home. Does he want us to remain in that? No, he doesn't. Does he allow it? Yep. So that you can get out of it. So that you can repent. His goal is to bring repentance. What they were celebrating at the feast was, yes, that the son was found, but in the two perils before this, and the lost sheep and the lost coin, 
They're all about celebrating what is lost is found and repentance. There was a turning around. There was a desire to come home. There will not be anybody in the Father's house in heaven that does not want to be there, that does not desire to be there. The parable of the banquet, which is right before this in Luke, they invited all the guests that were supposed to be there. What happens? They were too busy. Oh, I just got married. I need to go take care of business there. I just bought a new ox. I need to go test it out. They were just despising the invitation to go be in the Father's house, to be in heaven with him. So true repentance leads to a desire to be there. And the only way that can happen is when we realize how bad it is to not be there. Like King David said, you know, like a deer panting for water. Better is one day in your courts, O God, than a thousand elsewhere. This is a miracle to have that kind of desire and that kind of thought about being in the Lord's house. First John two fifteen through seventeen. Let me get it off. Okay. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So do we love the world or do we love the Father? You know, he has loved us. He sent his one and only son, his most prized and precious possession, so that he could have an inheritance in the saints. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So do you love the far country that the prodigal son went to? Like the self-righteous one, do you just love being in the field, self, self-sustenance, just knowing that you're um, trying to earn your relationship with your Heavenly Father? And it's all a lie. Satan came to, we all know this if we've been reading about Satan came to kill only three things. It's only three things he does. He kills, he steals, and he destroys so when we're in the world trying to fulfill our desires, it's, a, it's deception. It's all a lie. Satan just came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's the prince, the ruler of the systems of the world. So we can either be in the Father's house and we can have gracious gifts. We can have uh, authority, love, genuine relationship that is going to last. Or we can be in the world and it will fade away. Father God desires us all to come home. You are not too far away from your heavenly Father to come home. The prodigal son went to a far country. We don't know how far it was, but it was far. <laughs> I don't know how far Greek means and what that means in Greek as far as distance goes, but it says it was far. So no matter what far is to you, you are not too far. Home with your heavenly Father is only as far away as repentance and faith in Jesus. That's it. To repent, 
First is a change of your mind. And then it's followed up with a change of your direction in your actions. But it starts in the mind and the heart. It can happen like that. Your sin, your reckless living, your abandonment of God, His ways, and His people, it's not unforgivable. I just want to address that because some of us think that there's a different God in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Nope. Not true at all. He's always been on a rescue mission. Just read your Bible. You'll see it. I promise. He's always been the same and man has always been the same as well. (laughs) He gives a rule for our good and we say, forget your rule. I'm going to do it my way. We die. We get lost. He comes back, brings us. It's the same story over and over and over. You are not unforgivable unless you say you are because he's provided what is needed for you. You, have to, you need to reject the son, not accept him. You are not too far gone. I can't say that enough. God impressed that on my heart for today. The Father and all of heaven celebrates when one sinner repents, trusts in Jesus, and comes home. Okay, so this is specifically for our church family. Okay, you listen to me now? Okay. Our Heavenly Father wants us to become a church family that always celebrates and throws parties like heaven does even when one sinner comes to repentance. If there are 99 of us in here right now and only one person has a change of heart today, We all need to be like we are at the Super Bowl and it's in overtime and the touchdown just happened. Okay, can we practice real quick? Okay, one, two, three. Yes! Woo! Yes! You did it, Jesus! The touchdown that matters. He wants to build a culture of celebration in us. Thank you guys for doing that. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. I appreciate it. And here's the thing, too. God wants us to know that today is the day of salvation, okay? It is today. We talk about heaven a lot, and I know when we talk about heaven in our culture, we're thinking one day over the rainbow. Are we not? Most of the time, that's what we're thinking, you know? (laughs) But let me tell you what Scripture says. Heaven is now among us, and it's still coming. The here but not yet kingdom. Matthew 6.10, which I think we have it up. This is an excerpt from some scripture that you can read more about. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come. This is Jesus teaching us to pray. Jesus is God, by the way. Your kingdom come. He's talking to the Heavenly Father, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So basically what we're saying is, please let heaven be here, Lord. Please let it be here now. Please help us. We want to be in your house now. We want to be in your courts now. Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is not a scary word. It's an invitation to come into the house of God. 
to come into all the goodness and all the grace and all the provision, all the forgiveness, all the deliverance that he has for us. And it's at hand. I want you to think about it this way. When we repent, we're reaching out our hand and partnering with God and saying, I want you and I want your ways now. Before that, our backs are to God. We're going the wrong direction. We have to turn around and the kingdom is at hand. Grab it through repentance and faith. Here, now. Luke 17, 20 through 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, (laughs) he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus is the king. And the kingdom is where the king is, because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus also tells us that when two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there I am, I'm with you. So if the kingdom is where the king is, that must be a little pocket of the kingdom, because we know it hasn't come in its fullness yet, right? He's going to come back on the clouds, there's going to be trumpets, every eye will see, every ear will hear, and he will save fully with resurrection bodies and all that comes along with that on that day. But we can have the kingdom here now as well. But it starts the process with repentance and faith coming back to him. John 6, 44, 45. No one can come to me, this is Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him. We all know Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But let me tell you something else. The Father loves you. Who does the drawing here? Unless the Father who sent me draws him, no one can come to me. And I will raise him up on the last day. I remember going to counseling. I had a father wound in my heart. (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with those terminologies within counseling sessions and whatnot. No revelation of the Father. Somebody started talking to me about an orphan spirit. And I like, meditated on it and read this little diagram. And sure enough, I was living like a spiritual orphan. I knew that Jesus loved me. I did. And I knew all the theology. The fathers made himself known in Jesus. But I still just really didn't believe that the father loved me. I just believed that the father loved, loved Jesus and puts up with me. Because Jesus like, that's my bud, he's with me. But I'm telling you, scripture says that Yes, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you, now the Father loves you. He loves you. Directly. I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. In Jesus and other places in Scripture, I'm not sure if I have it here or on the screen, but... Hold on a second. 
Um, but Jesus says that, oh, here we go. John 16. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. This is Jesus talking. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. Since you'll go to the Father in my name. You know, it's my righteousness that gets you there. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. The Father himself loves you. The Father himself loves you. You can pray directly to our Heavenly Father because of Jesus. No other way. It's only Jesus. But you can talk to your dad. Abba, Father. You can. So what is our response to all of this goodness, this this grace, this, this love that has been shown, this desire for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The father and the prodigal son parable says that when the son, the youngest son came to his senses, started rehearsing how he was going to try to negotiate back in to the father and just say, you know what, I was stupid, I was young. And the scholars believe he was about 18 years old, by the way, when he did that because he wasn't married yet. <laughs> so he goes back, he's got a story lined up. And as he's telling the story to his father about how he came to his senses, he's no longer to be worthy to be called a son, but wants to be a servant in his father's house, his father cuts him off. Doesn't even let him finish. Doesn't make him get down and grovel, even though he's worthy of it, and he was wrong, the son was. What does the father do instead? It says that when he was a long ways off, the father saw him. And he ran to him. The father's watching. He's waiting. He's looking for you. He's not just chilling without you. He's expectant. And then when he got there, he didn't put the son's nose in his sin and say, are you really sure about what you have done? Yes, we should count the cost of following Jesus about being a disciple. But condemnation is from the devil. The good news is that conviction leads to grace. It leads to forgiveness and mercy. So I'm just going to rapid fire through these. What does this say about God, this whole parable? It tells us that he's wealthy and he's powerful and he had an inheritance for his children, okay? Because the father is God in the parable. He's the father of us all. He's kind and he's patient. He did not flip out when the son's like, you're dead to me, give me my inheritance now. He let him make his choice, even though he could have rebuked him. And actually, in that time, if that's so unheard of that that would have happened, the scholars were saying, in the cultural context, that the father should have disinherited him at that moment. 
but he didn't. Our Father is kind and patient. God gives us free will and allows us to make our own choices and suffer our own consequences too. He squandered all he had in reckless living. The Father did not step in. He let him get to that point. God is not easily angered or offended. He's holy, worthy of all our praise, set apart, completely different. But he's slow to anger and kind and love and compassion. We also learn that God has a pleasant and prosperous household. And he takes very good care of his servants as they had more than enough food. This prodigal son had gone to a far-off country, wasted everything, began to work for a citizen of that country, and that country is symbolizing the world, being in the world, doing the things the world does them. And it says that he was in need, longed, he was starving, and nobody would give him anything. And then he's like, oh, it's better to be a servant in my father's house, because even the servants, not the sons, the servants have more than enough food. God takes care of his servants. They have more than enough food. We learn that God is always watching over us, looking for us to return home. We already talked about that. And I love where it says that God feels compassion for his dead and lost children because he was dead and lost. The embrace represents closeness. And the scholars say that the kiss that the father gave when the son came back, he ran, he embraced him, hugged him, and he kissed him. The kiss signifies forgiveness. The affection in that parable. We also learn that God quickly restores a child returning home, meeting their needs for their body and their soul. It says that he put the best robe on him, once again, the scholars think that the best robe in the house probably belonged to the master of the house. You could say he clothed him with Christ. I'm going to put the best robe on you. Not a servant's robe. I'm going to put the best one on you. And he also put the signet ring on him, which would not only be like jewelry, it would signify that he belongs to the family, and then the power that comes along with that signet ring is now that he could conduct business on the family's behalf. That just blows my mind. I'm like, he didn't have to prove himself or, you know, <laughs> be tested first. It's like, nope, you're back. I don't know that I would have done that. God shows us compassion with displays of affection and love. The fattened calf. God has been not only watching for my return and your return, he has been preparing. The fattened calf takes time in advance. It takes months to prepare a fattened calf from a young skinny goat to a fattened calf. He's been preparing for your return. He's ready. Are you ready? God raises the dead and finds the lost. You can't scream loud enough to wake a dead man. 
we learn that God and his heavenly hosts, they party at repentance. God is a partier. He loves celebration. What does it say about me in this parable and you? (laughs) It says, I am spoiled. I don't understand what I have. I am rude. I am disrespectful. I am self-absorbed. I am reckless. I am a victim of my bad decisions. It's me. I brought that stuff on me. I am stupid. I am prideful. I am disgraceful. Um, I am forgetful. I forget what it was like to be in my father's house. I have needs that drive me to do things that I shouldn't do. I am a refugee on earth and it is not my home. Heaven is my home. I have the capacity for repentance and returning. Remember the demon-possessed man that brought himself to the feet of Jesus even though nobody could chain him and keep him down? When Jesus shows up on the scene, what happens? This man with the legion of demons, ah, somehow comes to Jesus and gets delivered. There was still some of that man left. You're not, we're not too far gone. I don't have to stay in my situation. That's what this teaching is well. I can come back and receive what I need. I've learned that I am loved by my Father. And he has pity on me. A broken reed. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not put out. I'm provided for by my Father. I'm celebrated by my father. I'm defended by my father. Remember the older son just like at the end of the parable, just throwing his brother under the bus, wouldn't even call him a brother. This son of yours, he's not my family. He may be your family. How could you bring him back in here? What did the father do? He defended him. He's like, he's back, and now the right thing to do is to be thankful and to celebrate. He defends us. What does this say about the world around me? And the worship team can come up now. It says that the world is not my home. I will not find what I'm looking for there. It does not have what I am looking for. I am not made for the world. You are not made for the world. You are made for your father to be with him. We also learn from this parable that the world is not trying to help you. The world is always going to be killing, stealing, and destroying from you. The ways of the world, the ways of Satan. We also learned that the world is using me. He was hired out to a um, citizen of that country, the world, and he still didn't have enough money to eat. The world will use you and abuse you. The world is full of opportunities for recklessness and sin. Satan is happy to give you those opportunities to waste your inheritance. I also learned that the world cannot control me. He got up and he left. The world doesn't take care of its servants. Contrast to the father's household and the servants that were there that had more than enough food. So what do I do with this? knowing all this. There's only one way to come back into the Father's house. 
is to believe, number one, that the Father wants me, that I am a sinner, and that he's provided a way for me to come back. Mm-hmm. So let's pray for just a moment, and then we'll move into worship. My Heavenly Father, you said it's a miracle that you have to draw us to your Son, Jesus, or we can't even come to you. We believe in miracles, Lord. We thank you for doing the biggest miracle of sending your Son, Jesus, to take our place, just like you did for the prodigal son. And he was able to come back. And it's all because you have made a way. You took the punishment. You took the shame. You took the guilt. And you bring us back into right relationship. If there's anybody here right now, maybe this is the first time you've heard this message about the good news that the Father wants you home and he made a way for you to come home. If you can just raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you afterwards and talk about it. And if there's anybody here, or as you know this, you've come back into the Father's house, but you keep slipping out at night. Going and doing your wild, reckless things that don't please your Father, that dishonored Him. If you've been doing that, and you want to stop doing that, and you want to remain, you want to abide in Christ, just raise your hand and live to pray for you right now. Well, Lord, we thank you for your abundance of grace, and we ask now that you would pour it out on us to help us to honor you and love you as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.